for the seeds of ministry that you've put in the hearts of different ones in this congregation. And God, we pray that in the months and the years to come, God, that you would bring fruition to those dreams and desires and ministries that you've put within our hearts. Uh, God, thank you for those that have stepped forward and allowed you to use them in different ways in our community. And God, we just surrender our lives to you uh, today. God, we pray that you would uh, continue to work in and through this congregation and our lives to glorify yourself in our community and in the people of the lives that you've placed us in. And we just uh, pray that you would speak to your word as we continue the series on the creed. Thank you that you've outlined uh, through scripture the truth that we can uh, hang our hats on, the anchor for our souls, Lord, that we can, in a, in a culture that's shifting and changing and doesn't have uh, any idea of what truth is, God, that you have placed us uh, in our communities as uh, dispensers of your truth. God, please uh, help us to see this world through your perspective and not through the perspective of our news or our media or even our friends and our coworkers. God, help us to see this world through your lens. And we ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. How many of you are glad that you are a part of the kingdom of God and that we serve a God who is the way, the truth, and the life, that, that we cannot get to the, the kingdom except through him, except through Christ. And uh, in a world that is so, you know, riddled with so many falsehoods and so much lies, it's, it's amazing that we can come uh, gather with people of similar beliefs, similar, um, uh, similar faith, and recite creeds. And we've taken the last, I don't know, two months, I think, on just taking each part of the creed and, and going into scripture and, and diving into what it means. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about the part of the creed that says we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. This, this, these two lines have been the most controversial lines uh, of the creed. I've had more people write uh, to the church or pull me on the side after church and saying, why are we saying we believe in the Catholic Church? And, and I have to explain to them that that Catholic Church is not the denomination Catholic, but it is what the root of that word means, which is universal, that it's the same throughout uh, time and place. And so we're going to be talking about that today. How many of you have had uh, experience in the Catholic Church growing up, that you have a past in the Catholic Church? How many of you have had great experiences in the Catholic Church? How many have had questionable experiences in the Catholic Church? Both, some both, because that's the way life is. It's, it's mixed, uh, both good and bad. Um, I just learned for the first time in first service that my mom uh, went to a Catholic school. I didn't know that she went to a Catholic school, but she said she had experience in a Catholic church, and I looked at her, and I was like, what? You went to a Catholic church? And she's like, no, I went to a Catholic school. And the Catholic school that she went to was on Oahu. It was called Star of the Sea. You guys familiar with that? I was, I was like, oh, Star of the Sea sounds like a Disney cartoon or something. It doesn't sound like a Catholic church. Um, but I, I love this part of the creed because it gives you a perspective that God sees his church. He doesn't see Grace Bible Church and Waipuna Chapel Church and Living Way Church and First Assembly of God Church. He just sees his church, his Catholic church, his universal church. Not the Roman Catholic church, but his universal Catholic church. Amen. 
And so for us to participate in what God is doing, we have to see the world through his eyes. We need to see the world as he sees it. Um, Communion of saints, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with communion of saints, and then I'm going to go into Catholic church, but communion of saints defined, communion defined, is intimate fellowship or rapport, a body of Christians having a common faith and discipline. Uh, let's read the scripture together at the count of three. This is from 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. One, two, three. For just as a body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many." And so one of the things that we understand about the body of Christ is that we all operate, we operate like a body, which is we have different parts, right? So if you go to our church, it is much different than if you go to Living Way. It is much different than if you go to Waipuna. It is very different is if you go to King's Cathedral. All of the different churches are different because it's different parts of the body. Does that mean that one is right and one is wrong? I have a, um, my wife has a friend, and she said, I went to Living Way Fellowship, and oh, that church is too Hawaiian. <laughs> I know that's p- politically incorrect, but she was like, man, it's just too Hawaiian for me. And then some go to another church, and they're like, oh, that's too Japanese for me, or that's too old for me, or that's too young for me. And that doesn't mean that any church is right or wrong. Every church ministers in a different way. Amen? And Paul was brilliant when he had when he had that description of the church functioning as a body. You, everyone have, point to your eye. Everyone has eyes. And then everyone has feet, right? And the eye and the feet operate completely different, but they're all, it's part of the same body, right? Now, what would happen if the eye accused the foot of not doing its job because it wasn't seen? Or if the foot accused the eye, well, you're not, taking us anywhere. Both have completely different jobs, and both are completely correct. And so God, in the same way, he has different denominations. He has different pastors. He has different members of even the congregation. You might look at the person sitting next to you and think that they look funny, or that they sing funny, or that they're not as organized as you, or they're messy, or they whatever it is. But God makes all of us uniquely. Amen? And and instead of criticizing, we should honor and appreciate what they bring to the table. How many of you can say that that makes a marriage run a little bit better when you look at your spouse and instead of looking at all the things that they don't do as good as you, you look at what they do different than you and you honor and appreciate? How many of you can say that that makes marriage work a little bit better than comparing them with your strength, right? And in the same way, we need to honor the differences in each other. Um, if you go to the next slide, uh, I remember, and I'm just going to give you a kind of a history. Maui's a little bit different from other places, but on Maui, most of the church pastors like each other. We don't love each other, you know, like 
religious love each other. We actually enjoy each other's company. I, whenever um, you know, I want to hang out and, and talk story, I always call Sean from Waipuna Chapel. We're like good friends. We'll go surfing together. We enjoy each other's company. Pastor Greg, he invited me last week to speak at his Thursday night meeting, and I had a great time with him and his leaders, and we, we spent some time uh, uh, shooting the breeze but talking uh, in front of their congregation to each other, and it was a question and answer time, and it was really great. Um, Sean has had me go up to Waipuna Chapel, and I've spoke there. He's come down and spoken here. And a lot of the chemistry and the unity that we have on this island, it's very unique. A lot of people come to Hawaii, and they say, we don't see like churches operate like how the churches and the community operates here on Maui. And it wasn't always like that. Um, I, I want to give you a brief history of uh, how this culture of uh, loving each other happened in, on Maui. Uh, my, my dad founded this church in 1974, so kind of a while ago. I was one year old. I don't remember any of it. But from what my parents tell me, when they came here in 1974, they came here with a specific mission from God. Do you know what that mission from God was? To correct all the other churches. So they learned a lot of different things of restoration, teaching, the tabernacle of Moses, the feasts of Israel, all kinds of deep teachings. And my mom actually called all the pastors when they were young and, and, and very um, passionate. And they, she called all the different pastors on the island to, to meet with every single pastor. And you know what she did when she, she got in touch with them and she met with them? She said, let me teach you about the tabernacle of Moses so you can teach it in your churches. How do you think that went? <laughs> it didn't go over very well. And, and, there, and my dad changed the name of the church from Grace Bible because he came from Grace Bible, Honolulu. When he planted here, he called us Emmanuel Bible Fellowship. And I remember there was like a lot of weird stuff that happened in the beginning days of our church. And... There was, a, there was actually a time when the head of the Church of Satan, Anton LaVey, called our church and asked if he wanted us to speak, if we wanted him to speak at the church. Like weird stuff like that. And then there was an apostle that came over, and he was very kind to my mom and kind to my dad, and then earned their trust. And after he earned their trust, he, he was speaking to other churches and did this combined meeting, and then proceeded to tell everybody at that meeting that they needed to leave Emmanuel Bible Fellowship and follow this other pastor and cause division in the church. And it created such heartbreak for my parents. And they were like, why is all this bad stuff happening to our church? And then God told my dad, it's because you are prideful and you need to humble yourself. And I remember... As a kid, my dad changing the name from Emmanuel Bible Fellowship back to Grace Bible Church. And I was like, why are you changing the name back to Grace Bible Church? And he said, it's because we don't want to be independent anymore. We want to be a part of a bigger church, the Catholic Church, Universal Church. And so that was a, a, a symbol of humility and coming under covering. And then he got together with all the other pastors on the island, and he said, I'm sorry for being prideful and thinking I'm better. And he, there was a, there was a, a, a breaking of, of, uh, of ego, and all the other pastors 
accepted the apology and said, we're sorry too. And, and it was from that time that they started meeting every single week to pray together and relationships started for, forming. Um, Pastor Vernon Tom, which is Gerald's dad, was a part of that. And uh, him and Rob Finberg and um, other, other pastors would get together and they had a radio show and would pray together and preach together. And, and that started the movement of these pastors getting together and loving one another. And then all the youth pastors, which I was a part of that uh, during that time, uh, all the pa- youth pastors were like, oh, our senior pastors are like praying together. Why don't we pray, to pray together too? So we started meeting every week and praying together. And we said, hey, why don't we do like worship concerts every month? And so we started having these unashamed worship concerts, and all the kids on the island would get together and worship God in Ka'ahumanu Shopping Center and in uh, Maui Mall and all these other places. And, and God started working in our community as the pastors started appreciating one another, loving one another. And, and you know what was really interesting after that? There was no weird stuff that started happening in the church anymore. Anton LaVey stopped calling. <laughs> and there was a protection and a grace that fell over the churches on Maui because of the unity that was happening. And so uh, Miles Kawakami, Joyce Kawakami were a part of that, and they, they took pastors, paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to fly all the pastors together to Argentina to see what could happen in a nation when pastors prayed together. And, and they saw amazing, amazing things, and that's that further made the community of pastors on the island um, more unified. Um, let's read this scripture together. Uh, Psalms 133. Uh, one, two, three. Behold how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And this is a principle of blessing, that when there's unity, the same way that dew gives life to grass and, and refreshes and nourishes it, when we get together in unity with other believers and with other churches, there is a, a refreshing and a covering and anointing, a blessing that happens when we're unified. And so if you are the devil, would you want that for the churches? Would you want that for the believers? And so we're talking about churches, but what about when the devil comes to you and says, don't you just hate that person in church? They never tell you hi. Or can you believe they're singing that song again? I hate that. Don't you hate that song? Or other things to stir up. Or that person never wears their mask. Oh, I'm getting real. (laughs) What are the things that the enemy does to sow division in the body? And the reason why he does that is because where there's division, that blessing lifts. That protection lifts. That grace lifts. And so we got to be aware of the tactics of the enemy. Amen? And what, what I did in, in growing up and, and appreciating the differences of the different pastors is I took that lesson and I also applied it to global churches and global movements. And uh, if, you look at this next, if you look at this next slide, um, what comes to your mind when you see Joel Osteen or, or, uh, 
or Benny Hinn or Steve Frederick. Some of you love the, these guys. Some of you think that they're fakes. There's, these are the guys that our media loves to hate. They love to like point out the houses that they live in and the way they handle money and all this kind of stuff. And they try to get Christians to hate Christians. But one of the things, if we're Christians, we need to honor and respect the things that God is doing in any ministry. And of course, there's going to be things that, that certain movements do wrong, but don't we all do things wrong? And isn't the same blood that forgives us the same blood that forgives them? And so we're not the judge. There's only one judge. And if we're to look at life through the perspective of God, we should honor what God does in every movement and what he's doing through every ministry. Amen? Doesn't mean we have to be like every ministry, but we can honor and learn from every ministry. Amen? Um, Jackson, I'm going to, Jackson, I'm going to use you. Come. So uh, when I was in college, I remember I, I wanted to learn, I wanted to uh, get more of the presence of God in my life, and I went to this uh, one evangelistic meeting, and uh, this guy, he started praying for me, and he put his hands on my head like this, and he was like, he said, da 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 And he said, when I say da-da-da, that means you have demons. You have demons. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then, and then he, he did this. He said, don't, don't step back. Don't step back, because when you step back, you're resisting. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And that's exactly what I did. I like, and, and so he, he actually put his hand behind my, my back like this and went, da, 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 and, and pushed me over. And so you got to fall on the ground. <laughs> no, you got to lie down. You, you can't resist. And so I was like that. And then he's like, do you feel that? Do you feel that? Da, 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 you're healed. And then he would go to the next guy. <laughs> Can you give Jackson a hat? And, and uh, how many of you would get offended by that? Right? Uh, I, I did struggle a little bit, but then I, I, I remembered in Scripture, you know, when Jesus called that lady, she, he said, why should I give dog, uh, scraps, why should I give scraps to you? You're, you're like a dog. And then she said, well, even dogs get the scraps from the master's table. And then he said, great faith does this woman have. And and in our lives, great faith does not get offended easy. If we want to receive, we can't get offended. And so I was just lying down on the ground. I was like, this is so dumb. <laughs> but God, you want to give me something, so I'm going to receive. I'm just going to receive whatever it is that you want to give. And I believe God wants us to have faith to receive, even if it offends, even if it's like something that doesn't taste good in our mouths. Um, my dad invited me to a Benny Hinn conference on Oahu, and uh, I was like, sure, I'll go, you know, and so we went to this Benny Hinn conference, and, uh, and I remember where he came to the bottom of our section in the Blaisdell Arena, and he said, how many of you want the anointing? And then everybody was like, yeah, we want the anointing. He said, stand up. So our whole section in the Blaisdell Arena stood up, and he took his jacket off, and he said, he goes, take the anointing, like that, you know, and he swings his jacket, and then everybody fell down. Like, I remember standing in the section and just watching people fall, like, and they fell, like, right by us. And I remember looking back in the whole section, just, like, dominoes went down. And then I looked to the side, and my dad's standing up, and I was standing up, and I was like, oh. <laughs> we kind of just, like, sat down. And I, I was like, whoa, what was that? And then 
I, I, but I felt nothing. I felt nothing, and I, I, I was trying to, like, tr questioning the thing the whole time. Like, is this guy a fake? Like, what is this? And, and then um, the next day when, my, when we woke up, my dad said, my foot is healed. Like, my foot has been hurting for the past couple months, and my foot is completely painless. And, and nothing happened. He didn't fall down, but the Lord healed him that, that night. And um, it's, God does different things through different people. Um, some people uh, judge others because God's doing amazing things through their ministry. Um, you can go to that next slide. Uh, so, some people judge others because they're good-looking, or <laughs> they judge them because they're too young or too loud. But how many of you know that God works through everyone? <laughs> how many of you like Pastor Zach? <laughs> Pastor Zach. Um, so we believe in the community of saints. We believe in the holy Catholic church. That word Catholic is not, we don't believe in the Roman Catholic church. We believe in the holy Catholic church. Everyone say holy Catholic church. Holy Catholic church. So the word Catholic comes from two Greek words, kata and holos. And the literal translation means throughout the whole or universal. No other English word expresses a wholeness throughout time. Everyone say time and place. This is not a specific brand of Christianity. Rather, all who have a relationship with Christ, past, present, and future across all, everyone say all, all denominations. And so, so this word, some, some people say, you should just get rid of the word Catholic. But Catholic is the only word that represents a continuity throughout time and through place. And so it's a very unique word that describes the church. Uh, so from Adam all the way till the time that Christ returns, there is a group of people that we belong to. It's not just that they lived and now we live. There's an actual connection that we have with believers throughout time. Isn't that interesting? And we don't exist without them. Um, this, is, this is the way that Hebrews puts it, Hebrews 11.39. It says, and so Hebrews 11 is, is a chapter that lists all of the heroes of faith. But at the end of that chapter, it says that these people are not made perfect without you. Isn't that amazing? That without me and without you, these heroes of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, Samson, David, all of these men are not made perfect without us. We are one church throughout time. So at the end of that chapter, this is what Hebrews says. And these all talking about the heroes of faith, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided something better, uh, some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, seeing also are compassed about, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and every sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The way that the writer of Hebrews describes our journey is that these people from the past, they obtained a good report. They did what was right. But even though they obtained a good report and did what was right, they're not made perfect without us having a good report as well, without us accomplishing what God has called us to do. 
we're all a part of this race. And it says that they haven't just run their race and sitting on, you know, now they're like, you know, they've checked out. It says we're surrounded by all of these heroes of faith, this great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on. Isn't that awesome? That we're doing it together. It's almost like we're the anchor, you know, like in a relay race that they've given us the anchor. Have you ever seen somebody run a four by four and then they hand off and then they go sit down in the stands? No, they're like watching and they're like, go, go, go. They're like yelling. And that's the way the previous generations look at us. Isn't that awesome? That it's a, a, a Catholic, we belong to a Catholic, a universal, uh, uh, connected uh, family of God throughout time and throughout place. Um, and so I used to read this scripture differently. Uh, Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God. So the foundation was when Luther, Martin Luther looked at the Catholic Church and said, it's not about dead works, it's about faith toward God. And the whole Protestant Reformation and the Lutheran movement came out of the Catholic Church saying, it's not about dead works, it's not about penance, it's not about all of these different things, it's about faith in God and what God did. So let's not lay that foundation again. And then after the Lutherans and the Protestants uh, it says, and of the doctrines of baptism. So what movement came out of the Lutherans and Protestants? What was the next movement? The Baptists, right? So it says, don't lay against the foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God of the doctrines of baptism. And after the baptisms, and the Baptists reformed and Methodists and all that, the next movement was the Pentecostals and the Charismatics, right? And so that's the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. When I used to read that scripture before, I was like, we're the best because we're not the Catholics, we're not the Lutherans, we're not the Protestants, we're not the Methodists, we're not the Baptists, we're not the, we're not the, we're not even the, um, the Pentecostals. We're like non-denominational and we're at the, we're like the, the purveyors of truth. We're like awesome, you know, and and uh, I, I read this Calvin and Hobbes uh, cartoon, and Calvin is talking to his dad, and he says, you know, I was thinking about this, that great-great-grandpa had grandpa, and grandpa had you, and you had me. So the whole purpose of all of you guys was to have me. <laughs> and... And I feel like I had that attitude because I, f I didn't see the connectedness of the Catholic Church. I just saw us against them, you know? But the same way that we appreciate movements beside us, we also have to ha appreciate movements before us. Amen? Appreciate every movement that came before us because without those movements, we wouldn't be here. Um, I always tease Andrea because she loves cats and I can't stand cats. I'm more of a dog person, not even a dog person, a deer person, because I like to kill deer. But um, I always tell her that there's no cats in heaven because there's a difference between dogs and cats. Uh, a, a cat looks at their owner and says, you clothe me, you feed me, you give me shelter, therefore I am God. 
Whereas a dog looks at you and says, you feed me, you clothe me, you give me shelter, therefore you are God. <laughs> and and I, th I think that uh, there'll be more dogs in heaven than cats. Um, I'm just joking, I'm just joking. Um, looking at the previous movement, so we're not the end result, we're a part of what God is doing. Um, if you look at this slide, this is Holy Communion with the Catholic Church, and we could point out tons of differences, but I'll just close with this, that uh, how many of you have gone to catechism as a kid, and you took your first communion? And so you have to go through catechism, you need to understand all of these things before you can take your first communion. And so the Catholic Church puts this emphasis on understanding, everyone say understanding, puts this emphasis on understanding before you can take communion because once you understand, then it will benefit you more. Does that make sense? So they put this understanding, so you cannot take communion unless you've gone through catechism, right? At our church, and you can go to the next slide, you don't. <laughs> you can, anybody can take communion. They don't have to go through classes. They don't need to understand. We believe in the sacrament that the power is not in your understanding, but it's in the sacrament. That when you take it, there's a, there, we don't act on it. It acts on us. Does that make sense? Okay, so we're, we're much better, right? <laughs> One of the things that we do do that's different is we say, for baptism to work, you have to understand. We're not going to baptize you unless you understand. You got to go through these classes, and after you go through these classes and understand what you're doing, then we'll baptize you. And we don't do this. You can go to the next slide. We don't do the baptism of the kids. And if you look really carefully, he's like, oh, he actually dropped the kid. And, uh, and you can see the water splashing in the, the kid's face, hitting the basin, and all the parents are like, oh, my gosh. That's why we don't baptize babies, because I would probably do that. Um, but we say you need to understand before you get, before you get baptized. So who's right? I'm not saying that we're going to baptize babies or anything, but, but we don't baptize babies because they don't understand what they are committing to, right? But our understanding of our commitment changes as we mature. Would you not agree with that? If our baptism is based on our understanding, then we should get re-baptized whenever we understand more. Does that make sense? So maybe we should get baptized like 5, 10, 15, 20 times. Does a baby need to understand, so being born of the water and of the spirit, does a baby need to understand what is, I'm not saying I believe any of, you know, I'm, I'm just asking questions. Does a baby need to understand what's happening when they get born into a natural family? Into a natural family. Does a baby need to understand that they're being born to be born? Whose responsibility, whose responsibility is it when the baby is born? Is it the baby's responsibility or the parent's? So the Catholic Church believes that the responsibility is on 
the mother church. As a mother births a soul, births a baby, that it's the responsibility of the church to receive that soul into its congregation. And in the early church, it was really important because historically, when someone would confess that they were a Christian, there was a very strong possibility that they would get killed. And so they would take six months to tell a person, to educate a person on what the cost would be, and, and also make provisions that if they got killed, that the church would actually take care of their kids. It was a six-month process before somebody would be accepted into the church. And because it was the church's responsibility. So all of these different things, um, so what they believe, we believe in the sacrament of communion that it acts on us. They believe in the sacrament of baptism that it acts on the child and that it preserves the child throughout the child's life. Not saying either one is right or wrong, but just you know, letting you guys know. So the, the next slide shows uh, one of the, the guys, Brian, who got baptized in our, in our first steps class. And um, it was real interesting. At the end of the year, we got all of our, the people that got baptized uh, that year. There was about 40 of them. And we had a class to celebrate uh, these guys getting baptized. And I had just learned the reason why Catholics baptize babies. And so I was really curious. I was like, is there a preserving, uh, a preserving force in the sacrament of baptism, even though babies don't understand what's happening to them? So I asked the class, I said, out of everyone who got baptized, how many of you were baptized as babies? Out of the 40 people, do you know how many people raised their hand? About 37, 38 of them. Isn't that interesting? And of course, you could argue that it's Christian parents or you know, Christian values that help to bring them to the place that they're at. But we should never discount. I always used to think, baby baptism, that's so dumb. Catholics are dumb. Why do they do that? You need to understand what you're doing. But then we would do the same thing with, with understanding baptism. Like, you got to understand baptism, but you don't need to understand communion. And then they're like, you need to understand communion, but you don't need to understand baptism. You know, but we're all a part of this church, this imperfect church that God uses throughout time and throughout location. Amen? Can we appreciate? So the way that I look at the Catholic Church in every denomination before us is the same way I look at my parents. I honor my parents, even though they do things different than me, but they laid a foundation for me to live the life that I live now. In the same way, if we look at the Catholic Church as not just the different denominations across the board, but throughout history, we can also honor what God did before us. Amen? So... The same way that we honor those who work beside us, you can go to the next slide. The same way we honor those who work beside us, you can go to the next slide, we can honor those who have worked before us. So we honor those who work beside us, we also honor those who work before us. Let's uh, read this one scripture to close us this morning. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forever.
forevermore. How many of you want the blessing of God resting on your life? I believe that as we honor those who have gone before, as we honor those who, are, who work beside, that we position ourselves in a place where God can, his anointing and his blessing can operate in our lives. Amen? Can we all stand? And we're going to close by saying the Apostles' Creed, um, and we'll just read the Apostles' Creed together. Can we do that? One, two, three. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Catholic Church, in the communion of saints, in the forgiveness of sin, in the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. God, we just thank you, Lord, for gifting us and calling us into your kingdom for such a time as this. Lord, even as we have read that, the saints that obtained a good report, even though they had a good report, they didn't obtain the promise. But we, we've seen your, your promise and that they without us are not made perfect. God, we, it's such a privilege and an honor to be living in the, the era and the season that you have placed us in. We could have been born at any time in the history of this earth, but God, you have ordained it that we are born when we were born. And God, we, we pray that we would understand the privilege that it is and also the responsibility that you've given and the purpose that you've given to every single one of us to see your kingdom advance, that we are running the anchor leg of this relay race and that there are people around us, heroes of the faith that surround us every single day that are rooting for us and praying for us and believing that you're going to use us in powerful ways in our lifetime. And God, we pray that we would, we would not take that lightly God, that we would seek you and we would hear your voice and hear you clearly as to what you would have us to do. Lord, use this church, Grace Bible, as one of many churches on this island, but God, we ask that you would use this church to shine a light in this community. And as the world gets darker and darker, God, that your light would rise among us, that we would become brighter and brighter, and that people would see you through our lives. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Amen.